What is up, Knoll Nation? It's the guys from Plant the Spear. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Michael, we got a whole bunch of little things to talk about. I mean, it's the offseason. The news has kind of been a little bit slow, but there's a lot of little tea leaves here and there that I think would make for a good show uh, just to kind of touch on a lot of things because really, you know, more than anything, that lawsuit update seems to be it's getting a little fierce out here now. It's, it's, getting, pretty it's getting a little heavy. <laughs> you know, you, you had like the ACC preemptively struck, Florida State struck back. The ACC came back again. Florida State's like, hold up. You talk about my mama now. And, you know, <laughs> and they started naming names. And They started like, naming okay. names. Right. Yeah. Like, they, they took the kid gloves off. So we're going to touch on some updates there. There really hasn't been, like, any legal changes. It's just kind of everybody, just paperwork trails going back and forth. Basically. Uh, but there's some interesting things that we're going to touch on on that. Uh, then we're going to talk about some of the just stadium developments that's going on. You know, there's ongoing construction. There's rumors about when the spring game is going to be. We'll talk about that as well. Um, and then there's just a few other things. So we will jump right in, guys. But first off, Michael, how are you, my friend? Thank you for joining me. Oh, uh, thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me uh, again. Uh, man, doing great. You know, it, it's it's the summer slash spring. It's the whole off season. You know, off season is just not as fun because you, you, you're trying to piece together. You're trying to find out what you can find out. The news information slows down. Um, there's not much happening. Obviously, this off season is going to be a little bit different with a lawsuit. Obviously, the changing of the of the team. Basically we're going to have a almost brand new team right. uh, next year. And so some of that's exciting, but as we're kind of getting into the, you know, we're still at the beginning of the off season, it's going to be a little slow, but it's, we're excited, man. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of new pieces to dig into. Then you got the spring portal session coming up. Right. So that, that'll be exciting as well. And of course, like I know this isn't the meat and potatoes for a lot of people, but softball's coming up and baseball's right. coming up as well, just to kind of get us, you know, ho tied over to that, to the football season when it comes around. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people, whether you like the round ball sports of Florida State or you're just a Florida State football person, you have to appreciate what the yeah. softball team has done. So yeah, you've got to be excited about them. And, uh, they look, gonna, and they're going to look good this year. They're looking really good. And I, I think baseball is going to have a bounce back year as well. We are planning a show hopefully next week where we can kind of dig into those a little bit. So if that is your cup of tea, make sure to be um, in tune for that because I'm just all Florida State. I, I don't really have any rooting interest outside of it. And, you know, I try to root for basketball, but it's like one minute they're good. The next minute they're not. They're, they're, they're like – giving UNC all they want, and then they blow the lead in the second half. So it's right, just, you know, yeah. my blood pressure can't handle that. So <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and let's just start with this lawsuit update. Like we said, first off, man, this is this is it's just an insane way to do business. When you talk about the ACC as a whole and, and the way this whole thing's going now, first off, I, I should say that neither one of us are lawyers. We this is not any kind of legal jargon or anything like that. And we don't have a lawyer on. There's pretty much been lawyers on on just about every podcast out there to talk about this. So we're just going to summarize it between ourselves right. uh, and, and what we've taken from it. Now, like we said, there hasn't really been any legal action to take place yet. I, I know there's something that's supposed to be decided in February. I in think the maybe 16th. the, yeah, the yeah. jurisdiction or something like that, which is a yep. huge, a huge, huge part. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there has really been some developments in this. I mean, like we said, the ACC actually struck first. They came out with a lawsuit the day before Florida State filed. And then Florida State files their lawsuit. Then the ACC files an amended complaint looking for basically a blank check in damages to yep. take to tie FSU's hands when it comes to decision making in the ACC. 
then the, the, they fired back as well. Yeah. Uh, Florida State with, with talking about a lot of stuff that we're going to dig into here in a second. Just a lot of, of mismanagement of the fiduciary duties <clears throat> of the conference. Uh, you know, and then I, the latest update that I saw today is that Florida State has filed in Mecklenburg County up, up in North Carolina. They have filed to try and block the them getting the record sealed for these contracts. Yeah. And man, I, I jokingly said earlier that like there must be they they must have confessed to a murder somewhere <laughs> in that grant of rights. Like there there must be blood on that paperwork because it is just unreal when you talk yep. about how a business of that size with that many moving components is so scared of this yep. being put out in, in public. But you know, I, I think it's it's where like a great Warren Buffett quote was you find out who was swimming naked when the tide goes out. And, and I right. feel like they're scared of the tide going out because oh, yeah. they know once people get into that contract, if it becomes public, they're yep. cooked. And they're I cooked. think Florida state knows that too. And, and I will say what's interesting is I don't know how, you know, if you follow this any closely, UNC made some moves the other day that, that yes, they did, they didn't say we're out of here, but they said that some, some changes need to happen. Revenue gaps were mentioned. They put things in place where it sounds like, you know, we're not sticking our foot in the door, but we're grabbing the handle. And, yeah. and so there's been rumblings that Clemson is kind of exploring options too. Obviously, we know that in Florida with the Sunshine Law, they have to do things differently at FSU. It has to be in public. Yeah. But yeah, man, there, there's a lot of interesting back and forth legality wise of what's going on with this lawsuit. And I know you've really dug into things. So I'll kick it to you and kind of and give us the latest update. Yeah, yeah. So so let's just kind of walk back a little bit and just remember kind of how we got here. You know, Florida State came out last summer and basically said it's unacceptable for what's happening in the conference right now. You know, Florida State, basically the projection is that the ACC will be almost 30 to 40 million behind uh, the SEC and the Big Ten in the next 10 years with revenue because the ACC is in a terrible situation with their contract and the grant of rights to 2036. Um, and, and so they needed to do something, right? So that kind of stirred up the pot, though we knew, we knew behind the scenes that this had already been stirring people had been talking the the media especially the local media had been already kind of getting this going well this was like the first time that Florida State really came out and said this is what it is right so then they announced there's going to be a board meeting and what's interesting about this and this is one of the things that again as Jesse said we're not lawyers so we have no, this is not our legal expertise or anything. Like this. this is just based on what we've read and heard. But one of the things that a lot of lawyers are saying out there is that this actually gives Florida State the advantage in the argument about jurisdiction because the ACC filed a lawsuit preemptively, basically meaning they anticipated that Florida State was going to file a lawsuit. So they filed a lawsuit to beat Florida State. And in most cases, most judges, if they rule based on, how the law is supposed to be ruled uh, that you can't do that. Like you, right. like you can't, you can't sue somebody in anticipation of them suing you. Right. I mean, you right. can, but like, you're going to lose that more likely than not. You're probably going to lose that jurisdiction case. And right. so it's like a baseless kind of deal. Yeah. You know it's I mean? like, yeah, yeah, you're only suing because somebody's suing you. And right. so whether or not they win or lose that jurisdiction case, we don't know. We don't, we're not legal experts, but it does, as the experts have said out there, it does in some ways put FSU in a more favorable position to win the jurisdiction case because, because the ACC filed before FSU. Now, FSU had to wait to the board approve it because of 
They are a public university run by the Board of Governors, which is a Florida, which is a state of Florida entity that manages these public schools. So they had to wait. They had to go and get the board's approval to do that. Okay, so the ACC filed and they they were so quick to to file that they basically rushed through. They accused Florida State of of of, you know, trying to leave the conference. Basically, they wanted the judge, a judge to say that the grant of rights is an enforceable document and enforceable agreement. And that Florida State, if Florida State were going to leave it, they were going to have to give up all their media rights till 2036. Basically, somewhere in the middle of what if, if, if paying the exit fee and paying the penalties and paying the media rights. It's about five, almost over $500 million, $500 million. Well, then Florida State finally files their suit, and they're basically alleging mismanagement of the fiduciary responsibility of the conference, that the conference misled them, and all the other ACC schools about kind of what was and what isn't part of like getting the network started, uh, making the conference more profitable, all those kinds of different things that you can read uh, in the in the FSU's original suit. OK, so then basically, from what I understand, you know, once you know, once each party files, then you have a, some time period, I believe, to respond to those filings. Well, the ACC once they read FSU's filing was basically like, what you say about my mama? OK. Right. And so. then the ACC then filed an amended complaint. Like a, they basically attached onto their original filing a more in-depth, basically, we're going to start name calling and accused FSU of, like you said, of um, leaking the, 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 the Granite Rights deal, leaking the ESPN deal. One, I don't think anyone outside FSU's lawyers has seen those documents. I know mm. I have it. No. I'd love to see them. So I don't know what did FSU leak, but they're saying they're complaining that and they're saying there's damages involved in that. Basically, like you said, a blank check of those damages. Right. And, and that and I will say ahead. the interesting thing is like, how do you leak something that they have admitted you cannot copy verbatim? Correct. You cannot get legal copies of it. Correct. You literally have to go you can't in take there. pictures. Right. It's like the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom or whatever, just to be able to get in and view the contract. You know, I mean, it, right. it, it's insane. And so, like, I don't see how they've leaked it, but it's just again, and I'll kick it back to you. But if they are going this far to hide something, then there's obviously something to be hidden Correct. in there. And, that, and I know we're going to get to that with the Swafford situation. Uh, but, yeah, man, it, it seems crazy. Like if they would fight for the conference and for the teams as hard as they're fighting against having their, themselves exposed. Maybe we wouldn't be in the situation. We you're you've hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, it you're right. It feels like 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 we are tampering with deep, dark government secrets here. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like even saying the name, like somebody's gonna jump down from my ceiling and all black and you know, put a uh, thing over my head and take me away somewhere. Like, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous of how secretive they are being, which which makes you think, like you said. There's something in there or some things in there. They do not want the schools to know, the public to know, whatever it may be. Um, and so they basically are, I mean, they they put their full weight against this, this, this amended complaint. Uh, I, and like we were kind of talking about in our pre-show was that, you know, 
this is not the first time the ACC has been sued by another school trying to get out of the conference. If you remember, I can't remember the year, so I don't want to misquote it, but way back when, when Maryland was leaving the ACC to go to the Big Ten, you know, they sued the ACC to try to get out of the conference. And while, yes, the ACC did put up a fight, it was not. It was in no way <laughs> to the level that they are putting up the, a fight against FSU. Now, Maryland sued and basically said, which which kind of lends to what FSU's amended complaint is or complaint period is. And then the minute complaint was Maryland basically students said, look, the conference penalty, um, the conference penalty, it's not a penalty. It's basically a restrictive measure to keep teams from leaving. And so a judge ruled that that was correct, that you're right. You you can't penalize a team for trying to better their situation. Right. And you can't penalize a team based on revenue that the, the conference would have never gotten anyways if right. the team had stayed or left, right? Right. And so Maryland ended up settling with the ACC on that. So that now created what the legals expert would call precedent. And now that is what Florida State is saying. Florida State is basically alleging that, one, the conference cannot, again, keep a penalty that is three times the operating cost of the conference. Three times the operating cost of the conference okay yeah you cannot charge as you saying you cannot charge that and call that a penalty and if you can't call it a penalty then it is a frivolous charge therefore nullifying florida state's uh liability to pay that upon exiting the conference like florida state could pay the 30 million or whatever they would have made this year yeah, that that seems legible. But to say three times the conference or the conference operating costs, so that's one. The second thing is they're saying, well, your media rights are locked in by the grant of rights. And Florida State is alleging that that grant of rights is not a document that can keep a a like you can't basically the conference can't keep something that doesn't belong to them. And right. um and so so Florida State basically once ACC uh, filed their amendment complaint. Florida State said, "Oh, okay. So you want to talk about my mama? We're gonna we we gonna right. open up the whole closet now." And right. literally, I mean, you talk about go zero to a hundred real fast. Florida oh, State yeah. said we were trying to be nice. We were yeah. trying to be nice, yeah, and and do this cordially. But you want to call somebody's mama something? So we gonna yeah. open up the whole can. And they literally went after. I mean, oh, they went in on uh, former uh, ACC commissioner John Swafford, his son Chad Swafford, and basically accused them of collusion. Basically accused them of of John Swafford making decisions to try to keep his son's job at Raycom. So uh, just really quick, and I'll throw it back to you, Jesse. Is before. The ACC, the SEC, and I can't, there's another conference, maybe the Big Ten, maybe the Big 12, one of them. They all had this deal with Raycom Sports, right, to, mm -hmm. to broadcast their their level, their what they call Tier 2 and Tier 3 rights. So they're, they're typically sporting games that have regional appeal. You know, the national appeal would go to things like ESPN, CBS, right. all like that stuff. But the regional stuff like FSU versus Boston College. Well, the nation, the nation didn't really care about that unless, you know, they right. were right. But the re there's regions that would. And so Raycom would work with those regions to broadcast those games, right? So those tier two, tier threes. So the complaint contends that the ACC schools have lost uh, – uh, let's see, it says about $82 million each year in revenue from those rights because the conference gave a 
very friendly deal to Raycom, okay? And be, the reason why that's important is because at the time, in 2008, Chad Swafford was the uh, business development person at Raycom. Now, Swafford, if you connect the names, is the son of right, John right. Swafford, ACC right. commissioner, right? And so over time, every time the ACC was uh, – the ACC was uh, negotiating deals. They required whatever TV partner they were working with that they had to work with Raycom Sports. Okay, so in 2008, the SEC sold its rights to uh, to ESPN, and they got out of the Raycom deal. Right, right? they yep. got out of it, and because they got out of it, like Raycom lost a lot of people, except for right, Chad right. Swafford. Now, why did they not fire Chad Swafford? Oh, maybe because the ACC renegotiated a deal with ESPN to keep Raycom in. Right. And I, and I, I think it's like when you start looking at that, you can obviously tell they're guilty because, like you said, the meetings that they've had, the, the, the names that they've said, the quotes that they've released yeah. are like, basically, there's not going to be a deal done unless it involves Raycom. And if you don't sign this extension, there will be no ACC network without Raycom involved. And like you said, when you had those conferences dump their rights with Raycom, it sounded like that was pretty much, I mean, you know, you were about to lose them and like they might go out of business. And so then you have them you know, when it was looking like Raycom was going to go out of business at one point when they lost those those media right deals with the other conference. So this was basically right. the way to save them. And then right. not only that, but he ended up getting promoted. And I believe That's then right. went, went on to work at ESPN after that. That's right. Um, it's kind of a big wig there as well. So the writing on, is on the wall that that this deal stinks. And yeah. I think it's just, you know, like, like you said, Florida State was trying to be nice. They were, they were trying, trying to be like, listen, you just let us go about our way. We won't you know, whatever. But then when they came back, it was like, okay, now we're going to pull the kid gloves off and now we're going to start naming names. And, and, and like you said, I mean, when you're talking about costing them 82 to $83 million over that course from the loss per year, right. On, on the tier two, tier three media rights, because from what I understand, they're not getting paid anything off of those, no. nothing. And, and so there was basically no deal for the, for the, there, there was no win situation for the schools in that negotiation. And so, again, I, I think if you can just get all this to public, which is why we so strongly believe that the one thing they don't want is to get into the discovery right. phase, which is why they would want to settle. Because, you know, if this gets shown the uh, under light, you know, if this comes to the light, yep, this could be it. I mean, this is this is like the house of cards right now, and it could all come crumbling down for the ACC. And, you know, you bring up the Maryland thing. I think the you know the reason they're fighting Florida State so hard is because they know we're their cash cow. Like right. they know we we dominate the media, the eyeballs. And I mean, Clemson's been good when they're good, but when right. they're not, they they feign off as well. And so I think they know that if they lose Florida State and then say you know Florida State finds a way out, as long as you crack the door, right, you could have multiple teams go for it. Now you'll have right. teams like a Wake Forest that, that, you know, maybe uh, Virginia, I, I guess Virginia's got some other things going for them, but there'll be some teams that may not have a landing spot. So they right. may not want this deal to go through. Oh yeah. But you know, when you're talking about teams like UNC and like Clemson and like Florida state and you know, some of the other schools that could Louisville could find a way out. And 
knowing i think it's one of those you have to think ahead too like yeah. if you're another school and you know that the the leader in eyeballs on tv sets is leaving what's going to happen when you renegotiate yep and i think the elephant in the room as well is the fact that you have the extension that could be picked up by espn in 2027 that they have not picked up yet they and still so have not Right. And so like if you leave and why would you not do it if you could get it at that kind of basement rate that, that that's right, you know, really low ball offer there. So if they don't pick that up, you know, say Florida State and a couple of these teams leave and they don't have a, a reason to pick that up, that could be it for this conference. I mean, it, it could tell. Right. Like, again, exactly. You could be searching for someone to carry your media rights. You know, we were yeah. joking before the show, like, you know, the, the Pac-12 was basically knocking on doors like, hey, anybody, <laughs> anybody want to buy a Pac-12 game? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could well, probably get a commercial on there for 20 bucks or something. Yeah. But it, it is. I think it is like and, and I will say I don't feel bad for the ACC at all in, in any way, shape or form. But I will say that I, I kind of feel bad for the current commissioner who is basically having to come in and fight a battle from just a completely inept, dirty, you know, dealings that, that was done by the previous commissioner that basically crashed the conference to begin with. When you talk about the delay in the ACC network getting launched and, you know, you look, I, I like some of the personalities on, on the ACC network, you know, EJ and all those guys, I think they do a good job, but it's, it's, they don't put anything into that like they do with the SEC network. And they, they've been so far behind with that. The Big Ten network got launched years before the ACC network. So, I mean, they, they've never really been a great fiduciary for their, their conference uh, members anyway. And so, like, I, I think it's also from Florida State's perspective, and, and I'll kick it back to you, I think it's also the fact that you've been screwed in the past. That That is already, like, putting salt on the wound. But it, it, this is all a forward thinking process. This is yeah. like, what is it going to be that, you know, right now they're they're kind of hanging in there. You know, they're able to compete on a national stage with the revenue that they have. But it's again, you're looking at 20, 30 years, 10 years down the road, five years down the road yep. when you're going to be making 30, 40 million less. And a lot of this doesn't include TV contracts that have been renegotiated right. for the addition of Texas and Oklahoma and all the all the schools that the Big Ten added. So that number is only going to get worse. And yep. you are expected to compete against those teams. You compete yep. against one of them every single year. And so, you know, it, it's going to be interesting how this thing moves forward. The more that you know, I had actually heard watching some of the lawyers where it was kind of like, OK, well, Florida State's got a good case. And then when the ACC fired back the first time, it was like the Wait. ACC doesn't have a terrible case either. But I think really when when Florida State pulled the kid gloves off with this last rebuttal. It was like, okay, you're going to make us air out this dirty laundry and right. we're going to make you look bad. And, and so right. I, now I think like seeing this latest update, I think that if they can substantiate any of this stuff, I, I think that that it's it's over for the ACC. And I think you will at a minimum, I think you'll see them look for some kind of negotiation on that number. You know, like you said, it, I, I again, I don't see how you can lock in someone's grant of rights for an extension that hasn't been signed by the network that carries the, you know, the media rights. That's insane. It should be through 2027 anyway. So that should be prorated to begin with. And then, like you said, I know they, they've said that the buyout is unreasonable. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. No, that'd be like me going to buy, you know, a, a Big Mac from McDonald's. And if I don't like it, I return it. They got to give me $10,000. Like, correct. It, it's insane. It doesn't make right. any sense. And, and so if they can get those things done, you know, Florida State, we, you've seen the rumors that's come out where they're like they're looking at private equity and stuff like yeah. that, which almost in a way makes me feel like 
they expect a negotiation to happen. So yeah. then when it does happen, they will have the money in place to, to buy their way out. And so now I, I think it just depends on how this lawsuit shakes out, where their landing spot is. Of course, most of you guys already know you cannot make an offer. Like it, right. it's like one of those silent offers in recruiting. You can't make a committable offer while you're still committed to another team. You can't do right. that. So um, I do believe, and, and I can't put any, any like legs behind this, but I do believe Florida state probably has a, a backdoor offer. Yep. Um, I, I believe if they can make this happen, they know where they're going to end up, but yeah, man, it, it's been a pretty interesting yeah. update with that last fire back by Florida state. I feel like if, if that stuff gets substantiated, the, the dealings with the Swaffords. Yeah. Man, it's it's going to be lights out for the ACC, and Florida State's going to find their way out. And, and then I think it just depends on how many other schools go with them. Because, like we said, UNC, Clemson, some of these other ones. Yeah. Really, I think if you're in the ACC in general, you would be really kind of inept to not explore your options because you don't know what's going to be left over yeah. if two or three teams leave. So I think a lot of these yeah. schools are, are probably kind of getting you know getting the wake up call right now. Like, hey, we better yeah. start looking into this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean it. <laughs> yeah, I just I was thinking, well, there's a couple of things I was thinking. First, number one, you're you're absolutely right. Florida State leaving the ACC is much different than look, I'm gonna say this. You may not agree with those of you watching. Florida State leaving the ACC is much different than Clemson leaving the ACC. It's much yep. different than Virginia, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Miami, any of those schools. Here's why. Because Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Miami, all those schools, when they are good, yes, they bring eyeballs to, to the ACC media. When they are bad, they do not. Florida State, on the other hand, whether they're good or bad, they bring eyeballs. It's been proven. Even right. during the terrible COVID season, even during the 0-4, 5-3 finish of 2021, even through the three straight losses in 2022, they bring eyeballs. Like that. That is Florida State has always been the cash cow of the ACC. Right. So, and of I, course, the ACC yeah, is going to really hard. Right. And I was just going to say on that, keep in mind, like Florida State put out numbers, I think it was last year. Again, before all this even happened, this right. was not this was not a reaction to the snub and all that stuff. Florida State put out that I think it was from 2014 to 2022 that they were second in the conference and viewership as far as football goes behind Clemson. Now, keep in mind, behind Clemson, 2014, and everybody's like, oh, Florida State cherry picked their numbers. So they left out the national championship season Correct. when they cherry picked the numbers, and they also Correct. included the worst four years in Correct. program history. And also keep in mind that Clemson won two national titles during that run. And so, Florida State was number two. Right. And, and so, like, you – and I want to say the 2023 data, now that, that Clemson had a couple of, you know, down-ish years, especially last year, Florida State passed them again. And so they are back in the lead of the conference. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it is now. Now I will say, schools like Clemson and UNC and all that they bring other things to the table. They we do. talk about from a university perspective, right? From basketball and the other sports, but no, you're 100 percent right when it when it comes to football, which is what pays the bills. Correct. And, and I'll kick it back to you on this. UNC in in the the things that they they said with their board meeting and all that stuff, they said, look, we have the second most um, Olympic sports and, and like women's sports and all that non football sports at to stanford the second most and you know stanford's is their first year um which goodness gracious if you ever see like stanford's <laughs> endowment it's it's unreal it's ridiculous um right but they basically said if something doesn't happen with this revenue gap we may have to start cutting some of these sports to be able to keep up in football because football yeah. is the cash cow right football you know as much as people might not like what teams put into this into these programs 
if it isn't for football money, you wouldn't have a lot of the other sports. You wouldn't have the opportunities in women's sports that teams like Florida State, UNC, and all those have. You know, and that's not a dig to say that they don't work hard and they don't compete on the field, and it's not as exciting to watch. It's just it's eyeballs on TV sets. That is what it is. And so, yeah, yeah man, it, it's huge. Football is the revenue driver, and Florida State by all means is the lead in the conference. And, and yeah. when you look at when you look at Florida State and Clemson, number three. And I'd have to look up the the 2023 data, but number three is not even close. I think the yeah. when I when I did the research uh, before from like 2022 or 2021, the next closest was like 43rd. Yeah, under wow. under a million. It's not even close. So wow. yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Well, and then here's what I say to kind of bring us to close to this segment with the lawsuit is you 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 talk about how I mean it makes no sense that they're trying to sue Florida State for damages for confidentiality break. Well, like. I mean, no, they're like Florida State basically came out and said nowhere, nowhere did the ACC um, uh, or ESPN have Florida State sign a confidentiality agreement. It's not even in the gore. It's not in anywhere. So Florida State didn't break anything confidentiality, anything confident that was supposed to be hidden. Florida State didn't do that. Now, there's a. The other reason, this is my tinfoil hat, <laughs> that Florida State's going after John Swafford is because I hope this gets to discovery for that, you know, because what ends up getting subpoenaed is his emails. Yeah. And I would love to see those emails. Oh, man. What he said to his son, what they talked about, because, you know, they keep all that on record. Right. So that's why it was very smart. Now, now, again, I'm not a legal expert, but I would imagine that's why it was very smart for Florida State to add John Swafford to the amended complaint, because now he becomes a part of this. Right. And so all those emails are going to get subpoenaed during discovery and all like that stuff if they get there. And I think if if I'm the ACC, I'm just like, OK, wow, the, this could get really bad for us. We might want to, you know, cut bait and right. get what we can get. And there may be some, you know, where you have to, people have to come in and testify and, and that's yeah. legal. And, you know, yeah. are you going to put your butt on the line, your, your freedom on the line right. uh, for, for the conference? Probably not. And so, right. yeah, man, I, I think that is really interesting because, you know, part of me wonders, like, if you're Florida State and they offer you a deal, like, okay, this is, we'll, you know, it's a half a billion or whatnot, all in to get out of here. If they come back and they're like, all right, I tell you what, two, 250 million or whatever, you can get out of here. Part of me almost wonders if you're Florida State, like knowing what you feel like, you know, if you feel like you have a rock solid case, do you take that or do you push it to trial and, and maybe you can get this nullified altogether? I mean, I guess maybe you, you take the guaranteed deal versus, you know, potentially having to pay a half a billion dollars to get out. But man, I mean, if the amount of inept like collusion and stuff that that has that it sounds like went on with these deals it almost feels like Florida State should just keep pushing this thing and, and almost try and just crash the whole Get party zero. on the way out the door. Right. Like, it feels like that's that's what they should do. And so yeah. it'll be interesting how it plays out. Like I said, I know there's that February 16th date uh, where there will be some things decided. So, you know, once things kind of actually start happening, uh, again, this is really just pushing paperwork back and forth. Right? Right. Nothing has been legally decided yet. So when that does happen, we'll be sure to update you guys as well. Um, but, man, it, it's looked like, this is this is a pretty good, you know, th this is a primetime matchup right now. This prime is, time matchup. Th this is a 730 ABC game between Florida State and the ACC right now. So um, it, it's going to be interesting mm. to see how it plays out. But 
So the next thing hopefully, I want to talk about. Hopefully, hopefully Jeff Flanagan isn't the referee. because uh... Oh, man, that's going to be some home <laughs> cooking there. But maybe, I mean, you know, the thing is, too, like if you get UNC involved, that's huge because yeah. that is, it is a tobacco road conference. And if that's you right. get one of one of the the homeboys, so to speak, like one of one of the OG ACC members yeah. to really start looking around going, you know, what, what are we doing here? Right. And, and there's been a lot of uh, smoke that the Big Ten would love UNC just from mm. the school per- there's perspective. There's a lot of smoke that the SEC would love UNC. Right. And, and so if those schools start get highly coveted, you know, it's all fun and games till they start showing you some checks and, and you're like, <laughs> wait a minute. So I like the ACC, but we could get 30, 40 million somewhere else. That that's huge. And, and, yeah. and you know, at the end of the day, they have to do what's best for their university, which is right. what Florida State's trying to do for theirs. So I think, you know, once money talks, money you may talks. see some of these other guys that are like, you know what, screw it. I'll, I'll throw the match. You dump the gas, yeah. I'll throw the match. We're out of here. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out coming up, but we'll keep you guys updated on all that as well. Again, not legal advice, just kind of our thoughts after reading through some things as well. Uh, so the next thing, Michael, I want to talk about, let's let's get, there are some rumors here with the spring game. Now, nothing has been officially, they'll probably announce it because you know how things go for us on our luck. They'll announce it while we're recording. Um, but the spring game has been rumored to be on the weekend of April 20th. It is going to be in Dope Camel Stadium. I'm a little disappointed that they, Every year, it seems like, man, all we want is for you to schedule this where there's a home baseball or softball series, and they just keep whiffing on that. I don't know what the deal is, but I know some people were questioning whether it was going to be in Doak or not, uh, basically because of the construction. And so they, it is going to be a Doak. That is a known uh, thing. It's just the date has been pretty much said by a, a few of the major outlets. It just hasn't been confirmed by Florida State yet. Uh, so if you want to mark your calendars for that. And that brings me to the next topic is a little bit of the stadium talk here. Obviously, you guys can go on, check out the earth cams and see, you know, how, how Doak looks right now. You know, it might make you a little sad. It looks they're tearing that thing up. But I know, yeah. you know. Yeah. You either you either love it or you hate it. And and I don't love all the renovations. I will say I think there are improvements that needed to be made. Bathrooms, concessions, the, yeah. the underbelly of the stadium. Please put in some Wi-Fi. Michael Alfred, if yes. you're listening, Gosh. give us some decent Wi-Fi. Give the people what they want. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like the walkout bar and stuff like that behind the I don't love that, but at the same time, I understand that there are things that had to be done for ADA requirements, yeah. um, handrails, widening of seats, and everything like that. So they did say, Alfred did say in 2024, the capacity is expected to be mid to high 50,000s. Now, that is a that's a big step back. It's going to be interesting, yeah. too. Like, you know, you got Clemson at home and all that stuff, and you're only going to have around a 50, 55,000 capacity. It's not ideal. You yeah. know, now we were talking before the show. You look at places like Virginia Tech and, and NC State and some of these other schools outside of Clemson. You know, Miami has 15 people at a home game. But when you look at some of the quote unquote better atmospheres in the ACC, a lot of those are 60,000 ish seat stadiums. So it can still be loud just by the way Doke is constructed. Um, now I don't know how, like if they have any open spots in the stands, how that'll go. But then they did say it will be back into the 70,000 capacity range in 2025. So it will go back up. It's just going to be that kind of one year. And, you know, a lot of people said, why couldn't we get this done in the off season? Because this is a major renovation. This is not, you know, they're not putting in a couple new bathrooms and some new bleachers. They're they are yeah. really overhauling the stadium. So that that's gonna be something uh to see. And and I'm excited for it. I mean, I, I think it's gonna be a newer and better product. And look, the, the thing is, like I'm sure Michael Alfred, if he was on here, he would agree. As much as we love the old school feel of Doke, the, the aluminum bleachers crowding eighty thousand people in there, shaking the stadium. We all love that. Yeah. Look, man, HGTVs are cheap now. And and, and that's you know, right. 
and it's only getting more expensive to go to games. So you have to give some of these people, uh, some people, you know, creature comforts to get them out of their house to come to games. Attendance has been declining in college football, not just Florida State for a long time. So I think some of these will help. Now, there was a lot of sellouts last year. But, you know, the team's good, and you want people there regardless of whether it's an undefeated season or not. Now, being that we're talking about the stadium developments, I just want to touch on, man, Florida State is really – it feels like Florida State's making some boss moves. And so I'm excited to see all this stuff happen. I mean, one, you have the stadium renovations that are underway. Uh, There's been a lot of pictures coming out of the new uh, construction on the new football-only facility. That is really getting going. I know that, like, you know, they announced it. They did the groundbreaking. It had been a while since the groundbreaking, so people are kind of like, what's the hold up here? What's taking so long? You know, they're really getting moving on this thing. You also see the staff are going around, and and they're traveling and recruiting in some private jets. And and Norvell, like, I I guess he saw on Twitter, like, the the helicopter wars (laughs) that went back and forth. You know, everybody's like – Who's got the bigger helicopter? Right. And, and so, like, Norvell is pulling out up in this in this really nice helicopter now. So, like, yeah, man, it's Florida State's pushing their chips in, man. They they are really yeah. doing what they got to do to compete at a high level. Obviously, we know they locked up Mike Norvell, paying him as one of the highest paid coaches in college football. And and you know they even had the the board of trustees meeting today where they said. They had talked about they they were really excited to retain him, but they know that also comes with some additional investments in the football right. program. So, you know, again, I, I think if you want to tie that back to the lawsuit, you could say that I don't think they would be doing all of these things if they didn't know that there was going to be some extra revenue on the back end to make up for that. Because, you know, some of the stuff isn't just a bump in attendance isn't going to pay for all right. of this stuff. So, I, I you know, you can read the writing on the wall there. Uh, but, yeah, man, I'm just excited really to see Florida State just really going all in on competing at a high level with all the new construction, you know, the, the jets and all that stuff. Plus, I mean, man, it's amazing to see the ground they cover. Like, they're in – they're literally in, like, Texas one night, Alabama for – you know, it's like they're doing so many things, uh, yeah. you know, uh, that, that are huge. And so I definitely want to um, – you know, I, I definitely want to get your thoughts on that. And then and then we do have a little bit of breaking news that we will touch on uh, in just a second. That That is unfortunate, uh, but we will touch on that in, in just a second. But I'll let you share your thoughts on, on kind of some of the the stuff that's going around right now with everything that they're doing. And, uh, you know, just Florida State's pushing it all in, man. And I'm excited yeah. to see it. Yeah, they. I mean, they're not messing around. They've said, like, look, football is a big deal. And we understand that football is the revenue uh, generator, the revenue driver, you know, all the other sports, all the other round ball sports that Florida State has, the Olympic sports. They're great, man. A softball team's been great. Baseball, historically, has been great. Um, you know, all the other sports have been awesome. Basketball, you know, ha- has had its ups and downs. But the thing that drives everything, that drives even more students signing up and applying to – Florida State is football. And right. so, you know, when when the, you know, they were already very serious about football when Michael Alford joined became the AD. Like they they stopped being a hoarder and a conservative spender. And they were like, okay, we're gonna have to spend in order to get this thing where we needed to get to. Well, then when they when when the it was not that I don't I don't think Florida State was like still kind of holding off on some of that. I really think they had their foot to the pedal, but when the the chance of losing uh, uh, Mike Norvell to Alabama became like a reality. It was like they like put the jets on, they put nitrous in the gas tank and they said, all right, 
We're all the way in. And I mean, you know, they 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 upped the recruiting. That was the biggest thing. I, I, I don't necessarily, Mike was making already around $8 million or something like that. Right. I don't necessarily think the money to pay to him was a big, as big of a deal. I think that's probably a small portion of that. I mean, he is now one of the top 10 pay, high paid coaches in the country. But I think more so it was the recruiting budget, the right. the infrastructure budget, getting yep. more staff, uh, more support staff in play. I mean, we're going to talk about this later with with Rick Stock still coming back. But I mean, just things like that, the 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 football uh, only facility getting, you know, starting to get break, broken out and the pictures, the images that that thing's going to look like. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, the jet. The helicopter wars, like getting right. those things so that Mike Norvell can have the advantages that Alabama has. You know, here's the thing. Alabama has a not so great NIL structure. Uh, that 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 was one of the things that kind of shocked me coming out of this whole saga of if Mike Norvell will go to Alabama or not was discovering that Alabama's NIL thing is not very good. But what they do, what Alabama has that is above Florida State is they have the history, they have the SEC, they have that money, so they have the resources. Yes, they had Nick Saban; he was a big part of that, and so it'll be interesting to see what they look like going forward. But Mike Norvell, he just wanted the same resources so that he could do what we're what right. what he and everybody else wants to and so yeah it's so good to see uh florida state step up into those things now when it comes to the stadium you know i, I listen i love the days when florida state could fit almost eighty three thousand people in that thing that was right. glorious i mean it was you, i mean there was a time where florida state went 54 straight home games before losing a game you know um and so i get you know, with the ADA updates that have to be done, I get with the fan amenities that needs to be done to create, because, you know, like you said, plasma uh, or LED TV is so cheap. Now you can stay home and still have just as great clarity, not spend all the money to go. And so they're trying to up the fan experience, you know, next year is going to be interesting. You know, I have season tickets, so I'll be there, you know, 50 something thousand people, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, I think in the long run, I think the final stadium capacity is supposed to be somewhere in the sixties, I believe. Uh, high 60s I think and so it, yeah it'll be different but you know this is the age of college football that we're in and you know I understand it I'm not a huge fan of it but I understand it yeah and I, I honestly think man like it there won't be a lot of new stadiums built I mean we yeah. just know that because most like you've seen someone where like USF wants to build on campus right you know Miami who knows um you know they could probably just play in their basketball That's stadium right. or whatever but like i don't know that you're going to see many more 100,000 90,000 yeah. seat stadiums built there hasn't yeah. really been a lot of teams that have added on to stadiums yeah. a lot of them do go reduce capacity uh, just because it is the nature of it and Tallahassee is a hard place to get to i wish the, the university would build about you know two or three hotels that that didn't price gouge you that you had to take out a That's second right. mortgage just to get to um, yeah, man, but I, I think overall, like it, it's going to be good in the long run. I just, I, I work, like I said, I'm not a fan of all of it. I, I hope because the Champions Club, it, it's a little bit of an embarrassment on TV. There's never anybody sitting out there watching it. So I just hope it doesn't end up the new additions become like that. But at the same time, I, I do think that, you know, you, you you got to give people a little bit more, especially students, especially young kids now. Like they want Wi-Fi, they want to be able to post on social media. You know, I mean, it is yeah. what it is. Like I know most of us, we're not worried about our phone at the game, but you know, when you're a college level kid, you want to be, you know, Snapchatting or, or TikToking or whatever they do. Gosh, I'm, I sound old when I say that, um, but you know, it, it is just the reality of it. And, and like I said, I think that it's it's more of a plan for the future 
knowing where things are going. But, you know, they're, again, they're pushing their chips all in on getting this football program back to where it was. And you touched on it. I mean, there for a while, they had some financial issues. They had, to, you know, from Stan Wilcox, really put this program behind with paying for all this stuff. And so you brought in the the interim AD and, and all that. And they did a good job of getting Florida State back to where they needed to be. They generated a, over $10 million surplus two years in a row. Um, I know they were a little bit of a, at a deficit last year, but you also have to keep in mind they're spending a lot of money now. So you're going to be at a little bit of a deficit. But that's what gets you on that on that next uh, level. Like you talked about with, with Alabama. Now, we probably have a better NIL situation than Alabama. Right. But go look at their facilities. I mean, you can nice. you can find it on YouTube. They are second to none. Now, I think right. NIL is, you know, four or five years ago, it may have been more important to have those facilities. Right. Now you probably want to sink as much as you can into NIL, but right. the facilities are still part of it. I mean, not everybody's after money. So there there is that part, too. And then it also comes with expanding the off-the-field staff, right. uh, which we we're going to talk about in just a second with a recent hire that Florida State brought in. But as we touched on a second ago, um, unfortunately, there has been uh, some news that was kind of mildly expected but still very heartbreaking uh, yeah. to have to share with you guys Mike Martin senior legendary Florida State baseball coach has passed away uh, there was the announcement that he went into hospice care recently and you know that usually means the end is near yeah. uh, so prayers out to the Martin family Carol and, and Mike Martin jr um, you know just that whole family the things that he did for Florida yeah. State baseball and, and you know unfortunately you know, that, that he never got to win a championship, but that still doesn't mean that he didn't turn that into one of the most respected baseball That's programs, right. you know, in, in the NCAA. And so I think you just really have to take a second to honor his legacy and what he did. You know, Florida State has been, I will say this, Florida State has been really, really fortunate in our, in our time to have some absolutely legendary coaches. I mean, you had, yeah. of course, Bobby Bowden, Mike Martin Sr., even Leonard Hamilton, I mean, a yeah. long-tenured guy. Yeah. I know the success is kind of here or there with basketball, but still, you've had some really great guys who did things the great way, the right way, and that's something that Mike Martin really embodied. You know, he just had that Bobby feel about him. You know, yeah. he, he was he was a very kind uh, man. He was very friendly, uh, very generous with his time, always open to the media, and just loved his players. And so it is unfortunate to hear about his passing. Obviously, that, that is a big loss for the Florida State community. Um, and, you know, we just obviously want to send our prayers and well wishes to the entire Mike Martin family and the FSU baseball community because I know that it's a really big loss uh, for everybody in and around Tallahassee. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mike Martin was was a legend in his own right, you know. Um, what uh, Beyond just what he did for the baseball program, which, you know, has been well-documented, well, you know, I mean, it was incredible – Incredible manager, baseball coach, um, so many uh, college World Series appearances. Yeah, gosh, you always had wished that he could have got right. that one. That, I, that, know. You know, I think he had taken them to like 17, you know, in his time and uh, just always so close and never could uh, get him over the hump. But yeah, but more so I never got a chance to meet him, but more so than than his coaching acumen. Uh, you always heard about just how genuine of a person he was, how kind he was, how loving he was and caring he was, not only for his players, but for, for people he would meet. He was the kindest person to strangers. You know, I never heard a bad word about Mike Martin Sr. And so, yeah, to the to the Martin family, you know, our prayers and, and thoughts are, are going out to you guys, and um, you know we just hope that you feel comforted in this in this season as you mourn on the loss of a of a an incredible person. Yeah, and, and you know to be honest, man, if it wasn't for Mike Martin, I probably wouldn't even be a Florida State fan because really how how and some of you have heard me tell the story like how this all started was 
my brother used to go to Mike Martin baseball camp mm -hmm. during, you know, uh, in the summers and whatnot. And so I was too young to attend the camp. Yeah. So while he was there at Mike Martin baseball camp, my dad would take me over to look at the football stadium. Wow. And so that's how I fell in love with Florida State. So, you know, realistically, like if, if I trace it all the way back to being 18 years old, Mike Martin is probably the reason I'm a Florida State fan and talking yeah. to you guys on this podcast in the first place. So, um, you know, I was always a, a big fan of his. I, that last run that they made at the NCAA uh, tournament, getting out to the College World Series, it was just a, a magical run when they beat LSU and they beat Georgia and then they, they got a win over Arkansas in, in the World Series. And you know, you were just hoping that that he could get it done. But, man, it's just such an incredible and influential member um, of the Florida State community. So, obviously, again, our thoughts and prayers go out to the yeah. family. So, um, you know, there, there's it's kind of hard to transition away from that because it, it is sad to, to think yeah. about. And, you know, just the legendary coaches that we've had, um, you know, it just makes you think of when, when Bowden passed and, and how, yeah. you know, how, how it hurts your heart to, to lose such an amazing human being. Um, but the last thing that we did hint at a little bit that I want to touch on before we get out of here is is two other little things we'll touch on real quick. Speaking of coaches and, and you know, drawing it back to people who have had ties for a long time to the community, Florida State did hire Rick Stockstill. I'm sure yeah. most of you guys saw this as an offensive analyst. Um, this is a this is a hire that I'm excited about. Now he yeah. did play quarterback at Florida State under he Bobby did. Bowden in, from 77 to 81. So he is no blooded. Uh, That's right. uh, that part I do like. And now I know some people are probably going to go, you know, he did get fired from middle Tennessee and, and had just North of a 500 record there. But, you know, middle Tennessee is a really hard place to, to put some things together. You know, it's funny, like for those of you who are still waiting on an NCAA football game to come out, I used to use, I have like, that's a, right. I have like a 15 year dynasty run with middle Tennessee state because I try and pick like the most unsuspecting college yeah. uh, out there. And I used to always use middle Tennessee state <laughs> or whatnot to, to come up with. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a hard program to win at. Uh, but the thing is like, first off, you get a guy who knows how to beat Miami. We yep. saw that. So shout out to him for that. Um, hung 45 on that defense. Yes, yes he did. And he said we beat their butts. Right. And he was not shy about saying afterwards, which I loved. And keep in mind, too, like speaking of the of the coaching stuff that we just talked about when he did that, you know, and I believe for the whole season, he had the Bobby emblem on his helmet. Yeah. I mean, uh, yep. his hat. So, like, you know, he he definitely he loves the university. Um, 18 years as the head coach at Middle Tennessee State, two time Sun Belt coach of the year, one time Conference USA coach of the year, long time Clemson assistant from 89 to 02, had That's a few right. other stops there. He has over. 40 years of coaching experience, 18 years as a head coach. So, you know, this is just one of those hires, Michael, I think where like you get a guy that you can come in again. It's like, are we following the Saban dynamics now where you right. get ex head coaches to come in? Yeah. And I think you have a veteran voice. Yeah. You have a guy who wants to be here. I mean, obviously he's going to want to come back. And he said after he beat Miami, like, you know, a lot of his, his former teammates were there for that game. He got a lot of uh, calls and text messages from the Florida State community. So, obviously, he's still in touch with a lot yeah. of those guys. Yeah. And so, I'm sure he's got to be excited. They got to be excited to see him come back. But I think it's a veteran, trusted voice with a lot of experience that you can bring in to kind of just help as an off-field analyst, someone that Mike Norvell can trust. Uh, you know, he, he's very big in the pass game. They, they were very pass-heavy at Middle Tennessee State. I, I was looking it up earlier. They had a couple of top 35 passing offenses during his time there, which, you know, again, when you're Middle Tennessee yeah. – um, th that's looking pretty good. So, you know, overall, man, I, I think that he's going to just going to be a, a good voice in the room. Um, yeah. Obviously, I don't think this is going to be something that's like a groundbreaking hire. He's not going to call plays or, or no. be a game day coach or anything like that. But 
I do think this is a good hire from a guy who is no blooded and has a just a boatload of experience. I mean, this guy has been a coach, a coach in general, because I know he started uh, back at Bethune Cookman along uh, in like '83, I think. This guy's been coaching football almost as long as Mike Norvell's been alive. So, like, yeah. you, you've got to be excited about this hire. Yeah, yeah. I think he he brings a wealth of knowledge to to the to the room there. It's another asset for you know uh, Alex Atkins and uh, Tony Tokras and and Mike Norvell and that offensive staff to have another brain to help them scheme, help them not only just scheme and, and scout future opponents, but then also. You know, part of that offensive scouting, I imagine, is looking at other offenses around the league, around the country and around the college football. And as you're looking at other offenses around the country and you're looking at these players who are getting in and playing and stuff like that, you, you know, it's another eye to say, huh, if that player enters right. the transfer portal. We might want to keep an eye on that, right? So it's another one of those. Also, you know, Mike Norvell is an offensive genius. And to have another offensive-minded person come on that support staff to help Mike think even bigger and better of how to leverage these players, how to use them, how to grow them, how to develop them, I mean, that's going to be awesome. Though he can't do any on-the-field coaching or anything like that, man, you talk about practices, you talk about all those things where this guy has 40 years of, of, of knowledge around the game, and it's going to be huge. And another data point for Mike Norvell to bounce ideas off because he you know has been a head coach for 18 years um to help mike think through all these things this is this is what nick saban created at alabama what made him so successful is that he he had the support staff to be able to do all the things that he didn't have time to do so that he could focus on what was most important i mean the dude i mean <laughs> nick saban was 72 doing circles around some of these these head right. coaches you know right. and so mike is setting himself up this is this is why it was so important to retain Mike. This was why it's so important to get the resources so that Mike could get people in here like this who would allow him to do the job he needs to do so Florida State can continue the climb to be on top of college football. So I'm excited for it. Love Rick Stockhill. Glad to have him back home. Yeah, exactly. And, and I know he's excited as well. And I mean, he's, it says, I was just looking him up. He's, he's 66. So he's a little seasoned. He's a little long yeah. in the tooth, but he's still a young guy. So I'm sure, you know, he'll, he'll be welcome to stay, uh, you know, as long as he wants until he can get, you know, I'm sure he's going to probably maybe look at another opportunity, but you know, yeah. maybe, maybe at that point, maybe you just kind of ride it out in Tallahassee for a little bit. But I do think this is a good hire for the staff. Um, and then the last thing I want to touch on before we get out of here is just, I, you know, most of you guys monitor social media. You've probably seen a lot of this stuff being talked talked about out there is this the senior bowl prep that you've seen yeah. from, from different things um the east west shrine bowl and all that stuff man florida state guys have been absolutely dominating now dominating i'm gonna i, I gotta say this in two different ways the, one this is exciting because like you always want to see these guys do well in everything they do they are seminoles they work hard to get this program to where it is um obviously this is going to help you know at least most of these guys should help bump their draft stock up a little bit because this is one where you're going against you know it's good on good in a lot of these right, right um so so that part does help as well you know so i'm excited to see these guys do good i mean i've seen clips where fabian lovett and, and Braden fisk were unblockable at times Oof. johnny johnny wilson is just terrorizing defenders out there um you've also seen jaheem bell make some great plays and renardo green and jerry jones has been great Oof. in coverage so like you have just seen you know, player after player after player. Even Jordan Travis hasn't been able to participate, but he's right. there, and, and that's yeah. nice too. Yeah, um, you've seen the staff out there supporting all these guys, yeah. so that that is great. So I'm extremely excited to see these guys because you know I, I think if you can raise your draft stock and, and look for for whatever it's worth, for what people want to say, you can be mad or happy about whatever they did. When you see a guy like Jaheim Bell, 
or Johnny Wilson able to get healthy for a month yep. or two and yep. not risk whatever they would have risked playing in that bowl game and to go out and show out in these types of things. That's why they did it guys. I, I you know, I, yes, I would love to have them play in that game, but yeah. they're doing things that are best, the best interest for their career. And you know why I think that's exciting is if you can see Florida state put, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 guys, maybe uh, in the NFL, that is massive for recruiting massive. because, you know, a lot of people talked about with the Alabama thing. Once they lost Saban and, and things probably weren't as solidified as they thought they were going to be with right. people leaving and stuff like that. They were like, look, man, people came here to play for Nick Saban. People right. came here because it's a pipeline to the NFL. And, and, you know, the the Durajai kid from West Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, oh, look big, at you. I still like Big Tommy, so we're going to go with Big Tommy. He even made some comments today in a press conference that that's why he came here because right. you look at the guys that are in the NFL now and he knows that that this staff, JP and, and Odell, uh, one of the, the goats of development at the defensive yep. tackle position can turn them into that type of NFL player to have a long sustaining career because NIL money's fun. Yeah. But, you know, NFL money is life changing, life changing, so, life changing. And, and that can set your family up for generational wealth. So it is great to see these guys. And if, and if they can if they can put all these guys into the league, that is going to really help on the recruiting trail where Absolutely. that's really kind of the one thing that the staff has not yet been able to hang their hat on. You've had one or two guys, but if you could put like six, eight, ten, man, yeah, that, that's going to be huge. Now, I'll kick it back to you on this. This is equally frustrating to watch because you're seeing like, I mean, you're seeing Florida state guys throw around Michigan offensive linemen. You you're seeing Johnny Wilson cooking UGA I mean, DBs in, in one-on-ones. Now I know one-on-ones is more of a sterile a bit different, situation. But still. It's not a full on game situation, but you see what these guys are doing against high level competition. And it just makes you mad, man. Because like, again, it, it like I, Every time I try and get over this the CFP snub situation, it just keeps coming back one way or the other, and it just makes you it makes you realize that like if they had got in, man, I'm telling you, they could have really given teams fits. I'm not saying they would have won without Jordan Travis. With Jordan Travis, you, you'll never convince me that they wouldn't have. But man, just seeing these guys, the starters that apparently didn't matter to every other fan base or whatever, right, right, to see them go out and dominate other team starters that were in the playoffs or, or some of the better teams like like Georgia and them. Man, it it just it just leaves you you wondering, you know what I mean? Again, like you're just mad all over again because you're like, if these guys had played and made it into the playoffs, I don't doubt that that they would have made a huge difference and they would have made some noise. Yeah, it, it it's like the gum on the bottom of your shoe, man. <laughs> no matter how much you try to scrape it off and rub ice on it and do all those things, it's just still there. It's just like, oh, I know, and I, I'm with you. I get on Twitter and I'm just like watching all these highlights of 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 like you said the fsu players at the senior bowl i mean just dominating just flat right. out i mean that one where johnny wilson beat the dude off the line and then caught that like a finger catch not a hand catch a finger catch right and you're like what the heck like that is ridiculous uh baby i mean you you saw Braden fist you saw what he did at you know against louisville uh against florida you saw the dominance there you know, with Ricardo Green, Ricardo Green, you know, all those guys, you saw that. And you're just like, man, again, the college football invitational committee uh, just screwed Florida State out of a chance to prove that it could it belong there. It deserved a chance um, of the, you know, Texas didn't deserve a chance. Alabama didn't deserve a chance. Florida State did. And uh, it's just so it's still maddening. You know, I it 
it feels like a, a wound that you've had for years and it will right. continue to feel like that. It's not as upsetting as it, as, as it once was earlier in the, in, in, in December, but it, it's still just there. But, you know, again, kudos to, again, what you're seeing though, is just the development kudos to, to that staff. I mean, you're just seeing the clear development that's happening and you're right. If you can put, you know, nine to 12 guys in the NFL, you have a couple go in the first round with, uh, I think I think you have surefire first rounders and Jared Verse and Keon Coleman. I think last I heard Coleman was looking somewhere between 15 and 20 is his range there. And um, and I thought I heard Verse was somewhere between five and 15. So if right. you can get those two first rounders, you get a couple, you know, second or third rounders, some fourth and fifth rounders there, then it's huge. Not not necessarily in the high school uh, ranks because, you know, you're still trying to develop high school recruiting and stuff like that, even though but you're getting better. Let's say that you're getting better where it's really big is that those really, really good portal players. Uh, it's another data point for them to say, man, if I hit a transfer portal and I and I actually have NFL aspirations, not right. that I want to be in the NFL, but I actually have the ability to be there and I just need one more year of good development. Where are you going? Again, Florida State. I mean, yep. just over and over again, you, you have those players. Florida State's proven constantly to do that. So um, I'm happy for them. I, I hope they get drafted and have great careers. And uh, and hopefully we're putting a whole nother 12 in the NFL next year. Exactly. I'm excited to see how it plays out because, I mean, like you said, if you can build that pipeline and then you can back it up with NIL too, where if yeah. you're a transfer and, and you can you can give them everything another school can give them yeah. and then some, that's just yeah. going to make you a, a destination. And, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do too with not to bring up old wounds because it's kind of traveling down that path. But, you know, I think that's why Jimbo had so much success at Florida yeah. State. Yeah. A lot of that was because, I mean, that whole, that entire 2013 team, <laughs> Uh, got drafted and, and so it's like or at least played in the nfl so yeah. you know when you saw that it's like people knew they could put yeah. you in that's what, why saving was so successful yeah um you know and and so i do think that that it will pay off as well and uh so yeah man i'm just excited to see these guys showing out in these games and and i'm excited to see where their where their draft prospects go and hopefully we send a lot of them to the league because i know that'll be that'll be big for the program and uh yeah. You know, Michael, I, again, man, I, I swear I, I leave myself a note and I always forget. But before we jump out of here, the last thing I want to let you guys know is about today's sponsor. Of course, you can read it on the screen if, yeah. if you're if you're watching on YouTube. And that is Alumni Hall. Talking about stadium renovations and, and new things like that. They actually have a new location in Tallahassee that's going to be better suited to serve you. And I've seen some pictures of it already. It's open and ready to go. And it is jam-packed with yep. no gear. Uh, it's at 1415 Timberlane Road and in the market square shopping center you guys make sure to go check them out that's alumni hall fsu you can also shop online pick up in store you can shop online and have it sent to your door so you don't have to leave the couch to get some new fsu yeah. gear uh you know spring games coming up you might want to check out what they got i know they have usually have some good deal like some two for 38 t-shirts uh that's what i got on now that's where i yeah. picked this one up from so make sure you go check those guys out whether you shop online or in store you can get 10 percent off your entire order by using code spear so again thank you to them for sponsoring us and thank you guys uh, for supporting those that support us. If you've watched this long, if you don't mind, we would love a like and subscribe and share this to help us reach other um, FSU fans like yourself. So, again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next week, you know, with with hopefully a uh, preview on some round ball sports here as well as as well as there's any more football updates or anything like that. Um, and, and on the last note, before we get out of here, again, I just want to emphasize uh, our support and prayers yeah. for the Mike Martin family, because I know this is a tough time for them. Yeah. You know, even if you know it's coming, it never makes it easy. 
And uh, he is an absolute legend in Tallahassee. So I know there's a lot of heavy hearts today, um, including ours as well. So on that note, guys, um, you know, just well wishes to all them. And, and thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we will catch you guys on the next one. Go Knowles. Thank you.